0: visit AscentEquityGroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T EquityGroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only.
1: It's a concept that it's tough to really do a cause and effect analysis and quantify, but it's a concept that the wealthiest of the wealthy people completely embraced. Best ever listeners before we jump into today's episode for all my fix and flippers out there are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line. And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land. You know Patch of Land. They've been on the show. Representatives of their company have been on the show many times. They've been a sponsor of this show many, many times. They're back for more because they love you. And they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates. And that is that it's the interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that it can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best uh, lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate. Because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And we're doing follow along Friday. Follow along Friday is all about what we're doing as it relates to what we've learned so we can help you and what you're doing in your real estate endeavors. How do you want to kick it off?
2: So let's just dive right into the main topic today. Theo Hicks. By the way, I should have introduced you. I'm here today. Yeah, Theo Hicks
1: (laughs) is with us today as he usually is on following Fridays.
2: Awesome. Let's just dive right into the main topic today. So your company just surpassed a quarter of a billion dollars in apartment assets. So first of all, congratulations on that. Impressive. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. And... Usually after you complete a deal, you kind of go back and analyze it and try to extract any lessons or takeaways or anything that you can tell other people that they can apply to their businesses. And for this one, you went back and you kind of analyzed your investor database mm-hmm. and extract that a couple of money-raising lessons that people can apply in any market that they live in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the purpose of this exercise was to learn more about where my investors live. And at what level investors are investing in based on where they live. I was just curious about that. And I've got a whole bunch of other stats that I look at with my investors. But mm-hmm. this is just one particular thing that we're talking about as it relates to all the stats. And I found it really interesting. And there's a takeaway for everyone who is listening who works with private money individuals so you have investors or you've got hard money lenders or even private money lenders and the interesting thing that i found well let me tell you a little bit of context the top five cities were basically the top five cities with the biggest population i don't have the information in front of me but it was dallas new york city la i think San fran was in there and some other city. Those are the top five cities with the most current and potential investors. So current investors, people who are investing with me, and potential investors, investors who I have a relationship with but have not pulled the trigger on investment. So those five cities, I guess are right. I, I missed one. I missed one. New York City, Dallas-Fort Worth, Los Angeles, Houston, and San Francisco. So – The next one, I removed the potential, and I was like, okay, let's just look at the top five cities with the most current investors, so investors who are actually investing, and those cities are pretty much the same, New York City, Dallas, Fort Worth, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and then tied for fifth, Houston, Miami, Austin, and Seattle. New York City, 18%, which pretty much is the same as the potential 18%. And that's because I live in New York City, have a bunch of friends there and they're investing. Dallas, Fort Worth, I'm from there, makes sense. Plus most of our properties are there. Los Angeles, it's a large city, makes sense. San Francisco, same thing. In Houston, Miami, Austin, Seattle. A lot of people from New York moved to Miami. It's just people from New York City moved to Miami and people from everywhere else, they're moving to Texas, it seems like. But if you're in New York City, you're likely going to Florida for whatever reason. Now here's the kicker though. Those two findings make sense. The kicker is that I looked at the top five cities with the highest percent investment of dollars in the deals. So basically, out of all of my current investors, what cities represent the highest amount of dollars invested in the Ashcroft deals? And one city showed up that wasn't on either one of the previous lists. First, it was New York City. Okay, that was on there. Second, here's the new one, Cincinnati. 13% of all investor dollars in my deals comes from Cincinnati. But Cincinnati wasn't even on the other two lists for the cities that have my most number of investors. So what that means is that fewer people are investing significantly higher dollar amounts on average in Cincinnati than any other city. Well, why is that? It's because I live here, right? But I'm not from here. I've lived here for approximately three years. Mm -hmm. So here's the good news for everyone who's listening who lives in a city the size of Cincinnati or larger or even smaller. But Cincinnati is basically the same size as Anchorage, Alaska, Stockton, California. What are some other ones? I, I had a couple other examples. St. Paul, Minnesota, and Toledo. Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, that that surprised me. Right? Toledo, Ohio. So if you're living in a city approximately the same size, about 300,000 people, then you have the resources around you to fund probably most of your deals just from people mm-hmm. in that city. And so often we go and think that we want nationwide presence and we want to get massive exposure when the reality is you've got what you need in your backyard. It's just a matter of leveraging that and learning how to do it. So here are four ways to leverage the network that you are surrounded by in your city. But before I go in those four ways, I've been talking a lot. I'm on board. About, all right, cool. One is host a local meetup. If you have time to attend a local meetup, you have time to host a local meetup. And the rewards for hosting a local meetup are exponentially greater than actually attending. Even if you're a passive investor, I'm going to suggest, even if you're a passive investor and you attend meetups, If you were to host one and maybe host one with other passive investors or maybe host one where you bring in deal sponsors to talk about the deals in their business, that will elevate you to a different level of education and connection with others at minimum, and perhaps it will open up a new revenue stream if you're looking for a new revenue stream because you could pull maybe a group of you together and then maybe you get some sort of fee on top of that for leading the charge with an LLC that you'll create. I don't know. But it's a no-brainer if you're an active real estate investor. Uh It's a no-brainer. If you're attending a meetup, okay, great, but you need to be hosting a meetup. And if everyone took this advice, then I probably wouldn't have this advice because then there'd be a million meetups and no attendees. But Not everyone will take this advice, so I'm giving the advice, and I'm living and breathing. The month after I arrived in Cincinnati to live here, I created a meetup to make friends. That was the main reason why, to make friends, and it has resulted in investor relationships that I wouldn't have if I didn't host the meetup. And now Cincinnati represents 13% of Mm -hmm. all investor dollars in the deals. Now, one disclaimer I had to remove my largest investor from this analysis because it would have greatly skewed everything. Largest investors invested about $20 million in our deals. So I had to remove that. And he, by the way, was from Los Angeles and has moved to a different city. So I just wanted to give that disclaimer. Uh, Just for the meetup, you're saying how anyone
2: has time to host a meetup. How much time would you say per month you spend on the meetup besides the actual...
1: Three hours. I don't spend any time on it now, but if I didn't have team members, basically when I started it, when you I didn't have it. team members doing it, I would say one hour a month. You post it on Meetup.com, on Eventbrite, and on Bigger Pockets. That's about forty-five minutes if you're slow like me when you get started, and then you got about fifteen minutes of answering questions or whatever. Yeah. Yes, so it's it's super easy. One hour of your time outside the actual meetup to okay. hope to meet up. I'm going to add one more hour. And the only reason I'm going to add one more hour is because ideally you bring in a speaker. Okay. And by doing that, you'll there will be some coordinating for the speaker to talk. In a no-pitch environment, make sure that they are aware that they may not pitch anything. It is purely education. Mm-hmm. No sales. Okay. Number two is host a board game and drinks night at your house. Colleen and I are doing that tomorrow. Well, Friday. So I guess if you're listening to the podcast uh, today, today, then we're hosting it tonight. And you were supposed to come. You just told me you and Marcella are not coming. Yeah, Yeah, so Theo and Marcella were going to come. I do this because I love board games. I love having people over, and I love getting together. In addition to having fun, we're also going to build and strengthen relationships with some investors of mine, too, who are local and who are attending. And it's investors and their significant other. Mm -hmm. They're coming over. Doing stuff like that is something you can only do if you're local. And by doing that, and we're not playing cash flow quadrant or anything like that, although I wouldn't be opposed to it. We're playing balderdash. And Triopoly, which probably only Michigan and Ohio people would know about. But other games like that, and we're just having fun. Having those types of experiences and those types of events at your house brings a different level of relationship with Mm -hmm. your investors. And it's important to come at it from an authentic standpoint. I just enjoy board games. I enjoy hanging out. But a byproduct of that is our relationship is strengthened. And it is even better if you do it with your significant other and their significant other because it helps everyone get to know each other's families Mm -hmm. a lot more. And then that takes the level of trust and shoots it through the roof because you all know each other incredibly well. And that's what you can get when, when you're having conversations with your local investors versus Investors who live across the country. Mm -hmm. There's a little bonus
2: tip that's coming to mind now. I know one of your clients, he was able to leverage his significant other's network to raise money. So that's something else too to keep in mind. Just because you yourself may not think you have people in your network that could invest in deals, your significant other or some other family member might have a job or have some sort of connections. They know someone who knows people that would invest in your deals. That's just like a little bonus tip that came to mind from the
1: board night and significant other. Let's see, number three, consistent online presence that has an interview component to it. Well, that's my podcast. And if you don't have a podcast, then my recommendation is to have something that is available for people to access at any point in time. And it positions you as a thought leader. And two key parts to what this says, which is consistent online presence that has an interview component. The two key parts, consistent, And interview component. Consistent, they want to see that you follow through with things over a long period of time, and that says something about who you are as a person. You can consistently do something over a long period of time. You stick to stuff, you commit to things, and you follow through. Two is the interview-based format. When you interview people, you then have them promote it to their network, and when you interview local people, They promote it to their network, which is likely people within the local area, and then you can meet those people who they promote it to and they reach out to you eventually. You can have dinner with them and build the same level of relationship if you have rapport and if you two really connect.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And there's another thought about the you know, having your online presence. I can't remember what her name was off the top of my head, but we're actually have a little, little blog post coming out about it today or listening to this on Friday, yesterday. And she was mentioning how when you're building a brand and you're doing it through a podcast, for example, you want to make sure that you not only have your website aligned with the podcast, but also social media mm-hmm. and have all three of those aligned because if they listen to the podcast and they're going to search, like, okay, he's got a podcast, he seems credible, let's look up and see if he's got a website. And I go, okay, well, he's got a website. Now he's showing up in person somewhere. Oh, he did this Facebook Live, so now I see an actual person. And then you see, oh, and now he's on social media, also sharing advice. Or they're talking about his personal life, so you know that they're an actual mm-hmm. person. And he's kind of talking about aligning all
1: those things to have that highest level of trust and credibility with your audience. Yeah. I thought that, that was interesting. Yeah, it's important to know who you are so that you can be consistent with what your presence looks like. When I got started as an entrepreneur, after I left advertising, I went to someone's just like apartment studio thing and I had a suit and tie and it was glamour shot style picture and I posted it, I tweeted it. I hate Twitter. (laughs) No, I I don't tweet at all anymore. I think there's automatic sharing through Twitter for the podcast besides that. It's just too much noise for me. Anyway, I tweeted out at the time when I was actively on Twitter and... A former colleague of mine replied back or tweeted back and he's like who is this guy in this suit because it wasn't congruent with who I was I was trying to be someone who I wasn't that's why right now I have athletic shirt on and I look like I'm about to go for a run which I might after this (laughs) and it's important to be consistent with who you are whoever you are be consistent with it because if you have a suit and tie on your website Then you're in jeans and a t-shirt in your YouTube videos, and it just looks different. Mm -hmm. Then people can be confused about what you represent and who you are. Exactly. Yeah, the confusion factor. Cool. And then lastly, the fourth tip is volunteer, then become a board member for that nonprofit. I've talked about this a couple times. When I was in advertising, I joined the Texas Tech Alumni Advisory Board for the College of Media and Communication, I did it because I wanted to give back. I wanted to help college students. I got a lot out of my experience there at Texas Tech, and I wanted to be involved. And I have been to Lubbock every year, I believe, since graduation, or at least since I've been on the board, which I graduated in 2005. It's 2017. I probably was on the board for about 10 years. I'm pretty sure I've been back every single meeting. I don't think I've missed a meeting. And I've always given back. Through those relationships, I've also... Now, after I got out of advertising, I've had investors come from that board, Mm -hmm. and it was simply because I wanted to volunteer and help out and be more involved. I've seen the same thing with Junior Achievement. I'm passionate about helping underserved communities and kids there, so that's why all the profits from Volume 1 and Volume 2 of our books get donated to Junior Achievement Mm -hmm. in Cincinnati. Well, I also am on the board for Junior Achievement in Cincinnati and have investor relationships through that board. And by volunteering, then becoming a board member, you can accomplish the same things. The important thing is to make sure that you're genuinely interested and passionate Or at least want to contribute. Maybe not passionate initially, but you're generally interested in the cause and you want to contribute. And then as you get more and more involved, then look to become a board member. After you volunteer, look to become a board member. And then once you become a board member, you're likely going to be surrounded by a bunch of ladies and gentlemen who are high achievers and also passionate about the same cause. Mm -hmm. And built into the idea of nonprofits volunteering is that
2: idea of giving and contributing to other people, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that being genuine and passionate is kind of a thread that runs through all the different tips. you got to go in there with the idea of either educating yourself and then helping other people get educated, and then the benefits will come from that, instead of focusing on just the benefits and being hyper-analytical about that.
1: That sounds like a thread that kind of runs through all the tips that you provide. So a about thread recently. that thread that runs through life mm, yeah <laughs> focus on helping and contributing and then things will shake out the way they yeah, i
2: was talking to my cincinnati realtor agent yesterday we we're considering selling our personal house she was coming over to look at it she it sounds like a similar to junior achievement she helps out kids that go to no one's gonna know what this means but purcell mary is a high school there that has lower income people that go there and she is trying to like teach them just Life skills and discipline skills, and but she said she's donated so much money and so much of her time. And even though her real estate business and this are like not connected at all practically, she said that once she started investing all this time and money into this, her real estate business is just magically was kind of her word just skyrocketed up. Hmm. Even though they may seem like they're not related, it's just from her perspective by her giving, she's getting back way
1: more just by the fact that she's volunteering and things like that. So that was that was interesting. It's a concept that it's tough to really do a cause and effect analysis and quantify, but it's a concept that the wealthiest of the wealthy people completely embrace because they get it. They understand how it works. Mm -hmm. And once we embrace that concept and live it, then our net worth will go through the roof. Cool.
2: So that uh, ends that. So let's move into some updates and observations. got so going on with your business,
1: Joe, from the past week? Well, closed on the deal. And things are going well. We're highly occupied. We've already picked a new name for the property. We've already got the branding selected. We were working on all this in due diligence. Got the branding done. It's going to be called Avery. Mm-hmm. And I got the design style identified for our community space at the property and we've only owned it for a week but just starting the renovations on units that we can start renovations on and gonna rock and roll it's a strong start then i was in north carolina in raleigh i guess technically chapel hill flew into raleigh then went to chapel hill i had no idea do you know the oldest university Guess what it is, and I am kind of gave it away. Is, is it it? North Carolina? Yeah, it's North Carolina. <laughs> I think <laughs> no, I've heard that before. <laughs> I shouldn't have started with, <laughs> I went to Chapel Hill. But I had no idea. That's the oldest university in the United States. 17-something. So you think like, it would be like... Monday, Northeast. Like Harvard or... I thought it would be in the Northeast Yale or somewhere. or something like that. Yeah, anyway. We walked around campus there and then did the gratitude training... And I don't have any face tattoos, and I don't have a shaved head. Right, when I, might right I, down. I I survived that experience. It was something that I'm glad that the organization exists. I whole, wholeheartedly embraced the message, and I got some takeaways from it. One takeaway: my mom and my stepdad divorced when I was couple years after college when I was living in New York City, and they married when I was in sixth grade. So I grew up with my mom and my stepdad, and he's a great man. He and I have lost touch, not for any negative reason. We just don't communicate. So one thing I made a commitment to do in that training was to reach out to him. So I'm going to actually call him tomorrow and reconnect with him. So that's one thing. Second is they have an exercise that is an exercise where there's like 60 or 70 people in this room that you're doing the training with. And the exercise is there's an inner circle and an outer circle of people, okay? Mm -hmm. The inner circle just stays stationary. The outer circle rotates from one person to the next. And when you get in front of the person, you say what is the most attractive thing and the least attractive thing about that person. Not necessarily physically, but just general presence... Things you picked up from that person as they've communicated with the group in the previous days, maybe side interactions you've had with the person, etc. Well, the comment I got from the least attractive, besides the guys, the old men who said they didn't like my beard, was that I could open up more. Mm-hmm. A lot to share, but I was a little bit closed off. So I, I took that to heart. I think that is the case the most attractive was I'm warm and some good stuff like that like I connect with people etc so that was the second takeaway and then third takeaway is eye contact we did an eye contact exercise and you just stare into these people's eyes for a very long yeah. time and connect with them and it's a valuable thing to do and it's a way to connect and really see and feel what other people are seeing and feeling through their eyes and know what they're experiencing so those are the three takeaways I got away from it. There's a part two, and I wouldn't do that. And apparently that's blasphemy if you don't do it. But there was too much sitting down and sharing. Coming from Unleash the Power Within, where you get up, you dance. Unleash Power Within is a conference for the ADD. And I don't have ADD by any means. I'm probably almost the opposite of that. But I appreciate how active you are because, as Tony Robbins says, emotion is created by motion. And there is no motion in this conference that I just went to, the gratitude training. You're sitting on your butt for two and a half hours, and then you have like a 30-minute or an hour break. And then you go in you sit on your butt for two and a half hours. The only part where you do stuff is these exercises, which I found incredibly effective. But too much sitting and then too much sharing. There's people who share crazy stuff, and I just wasn't into that as much. You know, well, what about it's, it's a good lessons? And good lessons. I'm glad that you full head of hair. Full head of hair and no face tattoos.
2: Perfect. What's the latest with you? So rental property-wise, I put under a property management company. That is all set up. they got the keys. they got all the tenant information. So I don't have to worry about <laughs> making any more maintenance calls personally myself. They're going to send me a report every month. And for now, I'll just kind of use that and kind of check in and see how well they're doing. I'm trying to not have these massive expectations for how it's going to go just because I've never had a property management company before. They're newer. I mean, they've been managing property in this area for a mm. while, but it's just been their own. Now they're finally taking on other people's. So I think they had like maybe you're managing 24 units before. So okay. I'm managing 36. So I guess that's increased by 50%. And so we'll see how it goes. They've been very good so far. But again, we haven't collected any rent yet. It's no major issues have happened that I know of. So we'll see how that goes. I'm moving to Tampa, as I mentioned last week. So we're in the process of renting out my personal house. A piece of advice for people that may be interested in doing higher-end single-family rentals that are on the higher end in the rent range. And if you're in a large city that you live by a hospital, you can rent out to people that will be moving in in the summer. So like the May, June, July area um, time frame. Because you no know, doctors will come in for their fellowships or their... I can't remember what they call them, but whenever you're just on a... Out of school, you've got your first job. It's not really a job because you just work like 100 hours and get paid very little. But they need a place the Residency? Life. Residency, there you go. So we've gotten a bunch of people reaching out so far about, hey, you know, your house is beautiful. We want to move in in June or July. And we're just like it's a little far out. We don't want to pay the mortgage for that long. But if we were to be renting it in June or July then it'd be perfect. And I'm sure we'd get a lot more mm-hmm. doctors reaching out for that. So that's a great way to rent out a property at a, at a higher rate because we're getting no traction anywhere else but these doctors because I think i put it too high. So i gonna reduce that cost. we were thinking about selling it. What were you trying to rent it for?
1: 2500 $2,500 <laughs> 2, and what did no, you lower? I,
2: re- I reduced it to 2350 And I think we're ultimately probably going to rent it for 2200 That's like right. where I'm at in my head. But right. if we get $2,350, perfect. If we get $2,200, we will still cash flow... Not a lot. we will probably cash flow hundred fifty bucks a month, mm. but they're to, paying which isn't on the ideal, mortgage. But they're paying on the mortgage, and we were thinking about selling it and pulling out the capital to buy more rentals. Mm. Just because if we're going to be able to pull out a hundred grand, why not use that to buy two fourplexes and cash flow way more than hundred fifty dollars a month? But we're going to be able to sell at a high enough dollar that we'll be able to pull out anything more than maybe twenty grand. So it's just not really worth it. What's there. your interest rate on that? Do you know?
1: I'm wondering if a cash out refinance.
2: We just refinanced the property. Oh, okay. And it got the appraisal on it. I think our interest rate, I mean, it's somewhere It right, doesn't matter. Yeah. But All right. we, so about what you get now. But her payment did reduce significantly when we refinanced because her interest rate was so high. I think she had like a 5 5 at the time. Okay. And now it's closer to a four, so I think it dropped by a point, maybe a point and a half or you know, one and a half percentage points. And then we're also in the process of buying a house in Tampa. We went down there this weekend for the first time ever. We've never been to Tampa before. And we drove around to as many areas as we could. And we saw maybe eight properties in a bunch of different areas that were considered considering living. In. And we put in an offer on a house and it was accepted. And so now we're closing January 11th. How are you closing so quickly if you have financing? So it was 30 days from the day that we put under contract. Our lender, I don't know how he does this, but he can close and it's quick with financing as quick as 18 days. Wow. They're called guaranteed rates. Yeah, I know them. And he happens to be our lender that do the loans on our rental properties and our personal house, is certified, qualified to give out loans in Tampa. So we're just going to use him for our house down there too. Just wow. keep, you just know, keep doing business with him because we'll use him for our, our if we can to buy rental properties here. But yeah, so those 30 days. And originally we were, we were gonna do it in 23 days, but the seller wanted an extra seven days <laughs> for whatever reason. It's good because she's gonna start the week before that. And so she'll only be in like a hotel for a week, whereas I mean, someone from her company just relocated here and he's closing maybe this week. Mm-hmm. He had been here for three months, yeah, going back and forth, limited hotels. But I think just the lender is able to do that, and we're gonna get some long term debt on the property. And
1: And why don't you do Airbnb for your property here versus look for someone at twenty two, twenty three
2: hundred? Mostly just I don't know what the logistics would be of how that would work us not being here at all. Because we've had friends that have done Airbnb before, but they lived in the actual house. Mm -hmm. And so once someone moves out, you gotta clean it, you gotta resupply all the toilet paper, and I don't know how much it would cost to actually do that versus how much higher we have to rent it and the people would actually want to buy it. But we should consider doing Airbnb until June or July if we yeah. have people interested in renting.
1: So it's really just fact-finding. Yeah. I think that's a good exercise to go through, to fact-find, to see how you could put that together, how other people are doing it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've interviewed some Airbnb people. Yeah. I Maybe mean, reach out to them. See how, and, how you Airbnb out-of-state yeah, out houses. Yeah, that's a good Google search right there, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be easy. Especially
2: since, as I mentioned before, we're going to be selling our furniture. So, might as just keep it there and yeah. Airbnb it
1: out? Yeah. And then do it till the summer. Mm-hmm. Test it to the summer. And then, then, if you like it, keep rolling with it. Yeah. If not, then don't. We'll look into it and we'll
2: talk about it next week.
1: Yeah. Cool.
2: And that's it. We're just kind of preparing everything for the move. And then once once we move, once we move down there, I, I plan on trying to tap into the investor network on there and then... Maybe taking your advice and starting a meetup. Host a meetup. And then, as of now, I plan on continuing to invest in Cincinnati just because I know the area really well. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to take six months to a year for me to feel comfortable with the areas down in Tampa. So I'll do a direct mailer once we kind of replenish our money mm-hmm. and go from there.
1: Sweet. Big moves, my friend. Great yeah. stuff.
2: All right, so some housekeeping items here. Best ever conference coming up here in less than two months. That's We've got, right. the, got the location secured. We got some speakers. We got Trill Fletcher, mm-hmm. a bunch of people that are well known that you'll recognize. So make sure you go to thebesteverconference.com and secure your ticket for that. Would you say that the advice that's given there is for all? investors from someone who has never done a deal before to someone like you? Or you say it's more for people that have done a couple of deals and are ready to scale or just to kind of improve their existing business?
1: The primary audience is people who have done at least one or two deals. That's everyone who attended, I think literally everyone who attended last year had done multiple deals mm-hmm. before. And it's a higher level more sophisticated conversation than what's typical at a conference. That being said, if you've never done a deal, yeah, you'll benefit from it. It's like if you're in fifth grade and you're learning tennis and you're playing third graders, you're going to smoke their ass, right? (laughs) You're going to beat them real good. But if you are competing against eighth graders, then you're going to lose, but you're going to learn a lot. There you go. And same thing here. You come to this conference, you're going to be around a bunch of eighth graders if you're in the fifth grade from an investing standpoint, but you'll learn a lot from the eighth graders. Okay.
2: Oh, yep. That's besteverconference.com. Also, make sure you join the best ever show community on Facebook. This is uh, usually we post the Facebook Lives there, and we've got all uh, we're trying to get a bunch of the best ever listeners to join there to kind of start up a community and, and interactions with the listeners, the guests, Joe. So make sure you join that we've actually had a new feature on the website I love this one so we uh, went through all the blogs that we have we have almost 400 blogs now on there and we categorized all of them into 30 different real estate categories we've got Apartments, indication. you've got fix and flipping, you've got lead generation, you've got overall real estate strategy that give you step-by-step guides to finding off-market deals, or buying this many properties and paying them off in this number of years. So make sure you go to besteverblog.com or just go to the main website and click on the blog. You can go there and click on whatever category you want to learn about, and every single blog post related to that category will be listed out for you.
1: Awesome. Yeah. It's inspired slash ripped off from Tim Ferriss's blog. Yep. Yeah, I was on Tim Ferriss's blog and it had all these easy ways to get access to the information that's most relevant to you through these categories. And we have a whole bunch of great content, but you couldn't search for any of it. It was just very cumbersome and perhaps impossible in some cases to find the stuff that you're looking for. So now all you have to do, is go to thebesteverblog.com, T-H-E, besteverblog.com, And you'll be able to search for everything from private money to picking your market to if you're a passive investor, articles that are relevant to you, fix flipping, all sorts of things. You can easily search and get access to those articles. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Because it's helpful for me, too, because I'm always like, hmm, I know I interviewed (laughs) someone. I know there's a blog post about this. And I'd like to reference it. But I could search on my own website for this stuff and now simply go to Mm -hmm. the Best Ever blog and check it out. And
2: finally, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review for your chance to be the review of the week. This week, we've got Julian Jr. And I loved the title to his comment. It was, More Precious Than Rubies. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Wow! All right, Julian. So he said, Mr. Fearless, without a doubt... (laughs) Delivers content that is not only designed to inspire but is catered to the needs of others, which is most important. This man truly wants to help you with the type of wisdom he is giving away. I've learned more in just one day from him than the last few years of my search for quality content. Thanks, Joe and team members, but as you would say, it's not about me.
1: Oh, man, like yeah. That touch at the end. I love that. Wow, that's top 1% of my favorite reviews. And Started off strong with a subject, more precious than rubies. I love that so much. I'm going to use that phrase for the rest of my life on certain things. You're more precious than rubies. I love that. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Really grateful for you listening to the show and learning along with us as we go through this journey together. If you have a chance to do a review in iTunes, that would be much appreciated. It helps us get high-quality guests to the show. So it helps you as well in the long run. And also if you're on Spotify, you can subscribe on Spotify to the show. So that's a new thing too. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan so terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast, where hosts Jason and Peeley give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, Make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com.